Hello and welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Young Adults Podcast. We're so glad you're listening and we hope you continue to do so. Today's episode is a lesson from Sister Hannah Norman, who is continuing our John series, finishing out chapter 7 from verse 52 uh, to verse 11 of chapter 8. Her sermon is titled, Watch Your Eyes. feeling well, so I feel like it has been forever. I'm going to speak tonight, and um, I'd like to title this Watch Your Eyes. In um, middle school, my friend and I, we're like, she lived two minutes from our church, and so I just kind of lived at her house over the summer. Her mom was a stay-at-home mom. They had a pool, so... That was probably the most drawing factor, and she was my best friend growing up, but we um, just hung out all summer at her house, and our youth pastor was also the maintenance person at our church. It was a small church, so youth pastor, maintenance, slash, you know, probably whatever else they needed done at the church, and um, so we would go to the church because we were bored and volunteer to just work. And I don't know what gave us that idea. I don't feel like we were like hardworking middle schoolers for the Herbst. You know, we just, we weren't those kind. But for some reason, we signed up. We were going to work and do whatever our youth pastor needed us to do. And one day, well, we did a lot of interesting things. We got to clean out the baptismal. That's probably my my favorite memory. Um, We vacuumed the church and cleaned the pews and wiped down chairs and like clean the bathrooms, all the gross jobs they gave to us because we were in middle school, so we couldn't say no, I guess. Um, But one time, my youth pastor, he was outside, and he was going to change the light, like, outside that that lit up our very small stained glass window, nothing like that's going on at Calvary, small church, but just really high. It was probably two stories high, so he's on this huge ladder, and he tells us to, you know, stand at the bottom of the ladder and make sure he doesn't fall off. And he's drilling in like a hole or something. I don't know what he's doing up there. I don't exactly remember. But I know he says, watch your eyes. And I'm like, watch my eyes? (laughs) How am I going to watch my eyes? He's like, just make sure nothing gets in them because he's drilling, stuff's falling down. So I want to title this lesson tonight, Watch Your Eyes. It's kind of hard to do, but you have to do it. Um, We're going to actually... Start, we're, we're still in John, but I'm going to start in Matthew 7, verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? The, thou hypocrite, first cast out of the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt clearly Thou shalt see clearly to cast out the moat out of your brother's eye. Watch your eyes. Like I said, we're actually going to go in John chapter 7, verse 53. There's one verse left. And if you have a King James Version Bible, this is actually going to be in your Bible. If you don't have a King James Version Bible, it's not included in your Bible. Just take it out. Um, Other versions... um, Other translations uh, don't use the Texas Receptus. They use other manuscripts which aren't as accurate and don't include parts of the Bible, which kind of offends me as someone who takes the Bible pretty seriously. 
If you want to know any more about that, my husband wrote a 20-page paper on the King James Version. So he has a lot of information about that that I wish I could share with you, but it's just not stuck in my head. And so chapter 7, verse 53, it says, And every man went unto his own house. Brother Kilman, I think, taught last week. And he ends up here. Every man goes to his own house. No one invites Jesus over. Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, spends the night there. No one's worried about him. And the next morning, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, Jesus sat down and taught? That's kind of weird. Like, you guys are sitting, I'm standing. I'd prefer probably if it was the other way around. And that was actually the tradition for rabbis to teach while sitting. And the scribes and Pharisees. So Jesus is at the temple, sitting down, traditionally, rabbi over here teaching. And all of a sudden, the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery and set her in the midst of them, right there in front of everybody. Hey, we just found someone committing adultery. Everyone should know. My mom, when I was little, probably your mom too, said, your sins will find you out. This is what I tell my, my, not my middle schoolers, my kindergartners. I will find out if you are lying to me. Someone else will tell me. I can probably tell right now by looking at you that you're lying. Your sins will find you out. And this lady, her sins are not just found out by some, but everybody that's come to learn from Jesus, they're learning a lot about somebody else they don't need to know about. And the scribes and the Pharisees say unto him, I read this kind of sarcastically, Master! They're not really calling him Master. This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? They're trying to trap Jesus. We know this. The current Roman law is that the Jews could not kill someone. In um, John 18, 31, it says, It is not lawful for us, the Jews, to put any man to death. But the Mosaic law really was that if someone was caught committing adultery, they have to be stoned. Leviticus 20 and 10 says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. So, Jesus, what are you going to do? We're supposed to kill her, but we can't. So, it's up to you. We're, they're not actually trying to accuse the woman. They're just using the woman's accusations to accuse Jesus. And this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. They didn't actually really care about the woman's sin. They didn't really care about her guilt. They were just there to accuse Jesus. And sometimes, as I was reading this, I'm like, how, how does this apply to my life today? What, what, what is this going, supposed to teach me tonight? What, what am I supposed to learn from this? And I was just thinking about this over and over this past week. What, what, are, what are we really mad about? Are we really mad about somebody's sin? Are we really mad that they're dressed like that, or they went there, or they got away with that? Or are we mad that they got away with it? Are we mad because it's like righteous anger, like, oh, I don't like when sin is okay? Or are we just jealous that we didn't 
get involved in the sin and get away with it ourselves. Because the Pharisees and the scribes, their hearts were not pure. They weren't coming blameless. They're trying to set up the Messiah. They are not blameless themselves, but here they are trying to just find somebody else to put the blame on. And Jesus stooped down. Somebody said maybe he looked down, maybe he got down because everyone's staring at this woman. And he looks down. And he wrote, and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Kind of like the idea of Jesus just ignoring people who are trying to cause a racket. <sighs> Jesus, we don't know what he wrote. He, someone said he could have um, been writing their sins. So you're, that Pharisee, write his name down. Write what his sin was. What could I blame him for today? What did he do last week? Could also think about with his hands, with his finger, he wrote the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not commit adultery. That's one of them. And here he is writing again. Madison, you'll appreciate this. Maybe Jesus was just doodling. just kind of awkward for a minute. <laughs> you guys are trying to set me up. This is getting weird. It's not going to work. But they continued asking Jesus. And he lifted up himself and said unto them, you know what? He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I actually didn't know all of the Old Testament stoning laws. I've never really looked into it. I'm just glad we're not there. Um, but stoning in the Old Testament uh, ha actually had um, very clear directions. Capital punishment was used for certain situations, not just like, you know, you talked back to your mom, which is probably good. Um, but they, the Mosaic Law is written, the Israelites leave Egypt, and capital punishment can happen after these things have occurred. You have to be taken before an actual judge in court, and there has to be two or three witnesses. So it can't just be like, one guy said you did something, and you're blamed. It reminded me of the whole, like, Judge Kavanaugh thing. I know, totally different story. But he's, like, got one lady saying something, and it's, like, okay, that would be really bad if that happened, right? would be really bad. But we, we also have a court system in the United States, thankfully. And this was something that was in the Mosaic Law, too. However, in Deuteronomy 17.7, it says, The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death. So the witnesses have to throw the first stone. So the people, the two or three that actually saw it happen, they've got to start it all out. But Jesus says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So out of the two or three witnesses, if you've got any if you don't have any sin on you, you go ahead and you cast the first stone. And Jesus again, and I never realized this before, again, he stoops down and wrote on the ground. I'm not, we don't know why he wrote on the ground again. Maybe he was giving them some time to kind of think about their own actions. 
and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. They were all guilty. Maybe not of committing adultery, but here they are trying to set up the Messiah to be taken away and to be killed. Yeah, adultery is a pretty bad sin. We'd, we'd probably all agree with that. And, and, and so is trying to kill someone, like the innocent man Jesus. Matthew 5, 28 says, though, maybe they weren't um, guilty of committing adultery, but maybe they were of this. Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in his heart. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not just trying to write the law on tables of stone. The law has to be in your heart. It's not just the action that you do. It's your intent behind it. Maybe that's why Jesus is riding in dust in the ground. Hey, guys, this isn't on stone anymore. I'm trying to get it in your hearts. Trying to get it in your mind so you know it. So it's not just about if you said something or you went somewhere or you acted a certain way, but did you want to? And it says, they went away one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last. The eldest is actually probably not the oldest one there, but the person that was highest in rank. So the Pharisee that was highest in rank, the elder of them all. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And I, in picturing this in my head, you know, picture it's just Jesus and the woman. But it says the woman standing in the midst. Now remember, before the Pharisees got there, Jesus is over here teaching all of these people, and they, you know, how the people were. They just, like, kind of flocked to Jesus, so there's got to be a lot of them there. And so she's standing in the midst of them. The scribes and Pharisees leave, but she's left in the middle of the group that was already listening to Jesus. And Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, and he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? I can imagine Jesus saying, where are your accusers? And then saying to himself, where are my accusers? They're actually here to accuse me. They're just using you as a prop. Just using you as a way to get to me. We know this woman had actually sinned. She was guilty. But the scribes and Pharisees didn't care. They were just here for Jesus. They tried to set him up, just like they had tried to set him up with the question about taxes, and Jesus said, render under Caesar, Caesar, and render under God, God. Jesus always has an answer. I, I love reading these stories because I'm like, how did Jesus come up with that? And it's like, well, of course, he's God, so of course he can. But like, isn't that so comforting to know? He really is wise. He really does know the best answer. I, I work at a good school. I, Brother Barkus is my boss, and I, I fully trust. I just know Brother Barkus is going to make the final call on whatever the situation is, and I don't really have to worry. Even if it doesn't make any sense to me, I'm like, well, I trust Brother Barkus. I, I just, I know he's not going to do something weird. I trust Brother Mooney. I know, you know, sometimes different situations come up, and you're like, I don't know why they decided that, but I I actually trust him. Like, they're following Jesus. I want to be like that where when 
situations come up like this and I'm stuck and it looks like there's a rock in a hard place. It's, well, I just, I trust Jesus that he's going to get me out of this. I trust him that he's going to do the right thing and it's all going to work out. Even if it seems really upside down right now. I've mentioned it before. My husband, since we we were married a year and a half, and he lost his job twice. And he's like a really hard worker, so it's like kind of weird. But both times, God has come in and just blessed our family and just completely like way beyond our belief and it's like so you lose a job and it's a blessing because I didn't see that coming but I trust God to make the right choices for me do you trust God to make the right choices all the time Jesus knew the thoughts and the intents of their heart and speaks accordingly he says woman where are those thine accusers hath no man condemned thee and she said no man lord she refers to him as lord right here realizing this is someone i can trust i don't know this lady's story i don't know where she came from i don't know how she got put in that situation i don't know how she found herself there but i just have to wonder is this someone that's been mistreated by men and has somehow realized that this is a way of life like this is the decision she's made because of hard times in her life and she realizes this is the man i can trust no man lord and jesus said unto her neither do i condemn thee go and sin no more you see jesus being jesus continues to teach here remember he was teaching at the beginning and he doesn't stop he says there's still a listen a lesson to be learned go you're free but go live like it go live a life above sin go act like i have delivered you go walk in a way that is holy go and sin no more let me change your heart let me help you live a life above sin in the next verse Verse 12, it's not actually mine, but I just wanted to read on to kind of figure out. He continues to teach the people that are there. He turns and talks to the people and he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. And I just wonder, is Jesus using this as an illustration? You see this broken girl making all these bad choices, living a life of sin? Go and sin no more. If you are walking in me, you're not walking in darkness. You are walking in light. I am the light of the world. And he that followeth after me, if we're really following after him, we're not going and sinning anymore. We have changed a course direction. Romans chapter 8. Sister Driggers, thank you for the M90 recommendation. Um, I did do Bible quizzing in Romans 8. Was Romans was my first year, 12 years old. I was telling Zach on the way here, it's kind of, I remember we said it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book because it's really tongue twisty. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know, some people... Some uh, versions of the translations of the Bible take out this scripture. And, and someone said, because um, 
people back in the day, I couldn't tell you who they were, thought that maybe this was Jesus condoning adultery and, and maybe these men's wives would just think that this was okay and not that big of a deal, which is clearly not what Jesus says here. Go and sin no more. He's saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do. They were not actually following the law in the Old Testament. They were trying, but no one was doing it. It was failure after failure. What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and say, That's okay, Jesus loves me. Once saved, always saved. No, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, baptized in his name, the sins are buried under the name of Jesus. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's an old life. I don't know if Jesus talked to this lady anymore. I don't know if the only words were go and sin no more. But I think those would be enough. Go and sin no more. Change your life. Watch your eyes. Because she needs to watch her eyes. But so do the Pharisees that came to Jesus saying, Hey, this lady's doing something wrong. Yeah, and so are you. Are you living a holy life? Is your heart right? My husband and I were talking about it, and he said, Yeah, there's something in your eye, but I can't see it very well. Because I've got a lot of my own stuff to take care of. I don't know, maybe you find yourself feeling like the woman who's been brought before everyone and just everything in your life is known to everyone and that's got to really pull you down. But maybe we could find ourselves in the Pharisees and the scribes trying to point at everyone else. Well, they don't do this right. and They don't do that right. And I don't like how they do that. Watch your eyes. Watch your eyes. If the music could come. Sister Jane Claire, I wrote down what you said. Don't let your imperfect heart blind you. Don't let what is going on in your life keep you from really seeing Jesus. Because he would have been here for Judas. Judas, if you would have waited three days. Three days you would have found out that your Savior, he really was the Messiah. The one you thought was, he really was. He's really got it all under control. Let's go ahead and stand. Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. You are called
to serve the King of Kings. You were called to serve the creator of the universe. If you saw the moon on the way here, did anyone see that? Just was huge as we were drive pulling in here tonight. Just like, my God made that. Like my God put that there. The one that I call on, the one that when I'm stressed out and overwhelmed and feeling anxious and just wondering where God is, just puts cool things in the sky like big moon. He's got your life in his hands. And he's saying, hey, listen, I, I know this feels overwhelming right now, but I got it all under control. I know you feel like so-and-so is getting away with that, but I'm, I'm really glad that's not what you're doing right now. I teach kindergarten. I have a kiddo that tells on everyone all the time, all day long. It's kind of normal in kindergarten, but this, this is not. This is not. This is all day, like 40 times a day I'm talking. It's out of hand. He'll come tell me, so-and-so's out of their chair. Where are you right now? So I ask him, who are you taking care of today? Myself. That's right. Today I said, I forget. Who's the boss, me or you? He said, myself. No, no, I'm the boss. Wrong question, wrong answer. But I wonder if God's asking us that. I forget, who's the boss? Me or you? Who's, who are you supposed to be taking care of? Do you need to know everyone else's business? Watch your eyes. Check it. Check your heart. Is there something in there that you just need to let go of? Why don't we come to the front and just pray for a minute? Jesus, help us, God. Just seek you more. Help us know you more, God.